All right, uh, open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read through verse 12. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now, is that a bold statement? (laughs) He's making sure there's no confusion on the subject. Verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, look, this is another bold statement. Look at what it says. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. Wow. Is that a bold statement? We're going to look at that tonight. If you want to understand what it means to fall from grace, you've got to come back tonight at 5.30. Now, it, it won't be too long because I, I speak at Minster at 7 tonight. So you'll, you'll be able to, to get that in a, in a good time tonight. So I hope you'll come. Then look at what it says. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You, you were doing better. Who, who have you been listening to that changed what you believe on this? Now look at what it says, verse 8. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Look, if you mess up, it's not Jesus' fault. Amen? If we get messed up doctrinally, if we get messed up in our lives, it's not Jesus Christ's fault. I remember somebody said, if there is a Jesus and I meet him, I'll spit in his face. You know what I said to him? No, you won't. No, you won't. It's not Jesus' fault that you don't believe. Verse 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. We're going to spend some time on that later. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. Now look at this. Again, very bold statement. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Whoever's teaching this false doctrine, this is what Paul's saying. He is going to bear his judgment. This is a guarantee. These guys that are bringing people, moving people away from the faith of Jesus Christ, moving them away from the simplicity of the gospel, moving them away from the liberty they have in Christ, they're going to be judged by God. That's a serious statement. Then look at what it says. And I, brethren... Verse 11, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. So the reason he was suffering persecution was he was saying salvation is by grace alone. And of course, that will always bring persecution. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that because that means that man is not capable of doing it himself. Now look at verse 12. Again, probably the boldest of the statements. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. He wants them to die. 
How about that? Can you imagine if I stood up and named a false teacher and said, I wish God would just kill him? How many of you think that would be acceptable speech in the 21st century? This is how far we have gone from biblical speech. From biblical speech. Here's the deal. The apostle is saying, God's going to judge him. How about he does it today? That's what he's praying for. He is going to be judged. God, go ahead and take care of that right now. Then we don't have to worry about this anymore. Now, let, this is part of my message tonight, so preview. It's not, he, Paul doesn't say, let's go kill him. Those are Muslims. Right? That's, that's the Crusades. That's not what Bible-believing Christians do. We don't kill people. But obviously... It would be better for a false teacher to be taken out by God than for him to cost people their eternal salvation. Amen? Now, remember, th those that wouldn't let the children come to Jesus Christ, what did Jesus say? If one offend one of these little ones, that's to cause them not to believe? It would be better if a millstone were tied about his neck and he were cast in the sea. That would be better for him than what they were going to face when they stand before Jesus Christ. Is that right? Is that right? So this is a very interesting passage. We're going to take a few weeks and dive into it and try to understand what it has to do for us in the 21st century. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, it is powerful. And it is interesting to me that the book that teaches the most about your grace has such bold statements. And so, Father, help us to understand that plain speech and grace go together. They go together. And so, Father, help us to have your mind on this today. Father, I pray that today is an encouragement to everyone that's here. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here who has not trusted you as Savior. Lord, they believe that you are the Son of God, that you died and rose from the dead, but they also believe that they have to be good enough to go to heaven. Lord, they, they believe that they've got to be baptized or that they've got to be a member of a church. Whatever those, if anyone here believes those things, I hope that you will, through your Holy Spirit and through your Word, draw them to yourself and show them that you are the only way to salvation. That we can't do anything. That if we add anything to you, then you become of no effect to us. So, Father, help us to see that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look with me in verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? that ye should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Now, remember, we looked at, if you look with me in verse chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Remember, we talked about that. Good night. How long have we been in the book of Galatians? All the way back to chapter 3. It's been a while back. Somebody had bewitched him. Somebody had tricked him into believing something that wasn't true. Is that right? So here we have again in chapter 5, Paul is saying this. Verse 7 again, Galatians 5, verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? All of us have voices that influence us. Is that right? All of us have voices that influence us. I was listening to James Knox. He said, who would have thought 20 years ago that some young man would 
go to school with his pants down around his knees. You couldn't have made somebody do that. But it's kind of like today, who could imagine, this is what Knox said, who, could, who today could imagine a guy wearing pants three sizes too small and three-inch heels? Isn't it funny? All of us are influenced by someone. All of us are influenced by someone. Who are your influencers? Uh, I tend to be, uh, I used to be a Republican. George Bush cured me of that. And anybody else agree with that? (laughs) And so I tend to identify more with a libertarian type political position. And so I enjoy listening to someone like John Stossel. But if you listen to John Stossel, John Stossel wants everything to be okay. Everything, homosexuality is just fine. Everything is just fine. Well, then I'd better be careful who I listen to. Would you all agree with that? How many of you would like it if your pastor stood up and started saying, oh, come on, that's so old-fashioned. Who are you to tell someone else who to love? Well, you can love anybody. You you ought to love everybody. Is that right? But, you know, homosexuality is a sin. So all of us are being influenced by someone. Is that right? The question the Apostle Paul says, who did hinder you? Who did hinder you? So what we're going to look at this morning is we're going to go through the Bible. I hope you have a Bible in your lap. I hope you have one with you. If you don't, we have Bibles in the pew. And we're going to go through the Bible and we're going to look. How many of you understand that God's called you to do something? We're going to look this morning at what God's called you to do. And let's go back to our text. Verse, verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the, the truth? This persuasion, being persuaded away from the truth, cometh not of him that calleth you. This mixing of the law with grace does not come from God. This binding of Christians and requiring them to add physical things to their faith. It doesn't come from God. Amen? It doesn't come from Him who called you. So what did He call you to do? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What is the yoke of bondage? No, men, it's not marriage. That's not what they're talking about here. This is talking about the life that you lived before you were saved. Whether it's religion or vice or whatever it was that was keeping you from Christ, that was bondage. Now that you're saved, don't go back into that bondage. Is that right? Look at verse 13. For brethren, this is the first thing that we will look at this morning that we've been called to. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I th- say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All right, so here we have it. What's the first thing that we're called to? We're called to liberty. We're not called to bondage. We're called to spiritual Liberty. And you know, I, I was so thankful this morning as I was praying before I was getting ready to preach. I'm just tired today. I didn't sleep well last night. 
You guys know that I was sick last week, a little puny, just not feeling good. So here's, um, can I confess to you for a minute? I didn't study the Bible and pray as well this past week as I ought to. Anybody else ever been in that situation? And so there's not a worse feeling in the world than getting ready to preach in that state. Amen? So we're going home. I'm not going to... No. It was so wonderful this morning as I was praying. The Lord brought this to my mind. Look, I don't pray because I have to. I don't read the Bible because I have to. I don't have to punch a clock and put so much time in the Word of God in order to be able to to communicate God's Word. Jesus Christ loves me as much right now as He did before this past week. Isn't that... What is that called? Liberty. It's called liberty. You ready for this? He's not mad at me. He's not mad at me. If you're saved... Did you know that Jesus Christ is not mad at you? If you're not saved, He's really mad at you. The Bible says He's angry with the wicked every day. He's not somebody you want mad at you. If you're saved, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ alone, He's not angry with you. He loves you and He wants you. He has called you to be free. Imagine if we go to the jail and we walk into the jail unlock the doors and say, hey, guys, come on out. You're free. I imagine there's somebody that says, no, I like it better in here. They feed me. It's air-conditioned. I want to stay here. And they would stay in the bondage because they don't know how to be free. You know that many Christians are that way? God has called them to liberty, liberty in Christ, freedom to live in this present evil world in victory. That's what He's called us to do. That's what He's called us to do. And yet we still get bound by religion, bound by... uh, You have someone who commits some kind of sin. And in your religious background, you're told there's no way that person can be saved if they do that. And then that person dies. And you're of such great concern whether or not they can go to heaven. What is that? That's bondage. That's bondage. Again, the root of that is that we believe that as believers, there are certain sins that we would never commit. You know why we believe that? Because we really don't understand how wicked our flesh is. We don't really understand why we needed to be saved. It doesn't mean we're not saved, but we need to understand how wicked our flesh is. Is that right? We've got to understand that. And so what happens is because of what people have been told, whether it's suicide, so a, a, a Christian kills themselves. You know that Christians have done that. I know of pastors who have. I know of pastors personally who have. Does that mean they weren't saved? No. There was something going on in their life, and we can't explain it. Can we explain it? No. But there are people who teach that there's no way that person could go to heaven. Can I tell you something? That teaching is out of the pit of hell. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. What is one of the things that can't separate us from the love of Christ? Death. However you die, that cannot separate you from the love of Christ. What does that give us? It gives us liberty. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. 
We can live free. So we've been called to liberty. Don't get bound back up with what you've come from in the past. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Here you go, Joby. If you get cold, you can use this. Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 7. What else have we been called to? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So all those people, all those saved people in the church at Rome, what are they called to be? Saints. Saints. Now, you know, somebody might have a, a plastic saint on their dashboard that will protect them when they drive or a saint that they wear around their neck or, or, you know, somebody that they pray to. Well, the only person we pray to is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And all of us are called to be saints. What is a, what is a saint? Well, the, what the word means, the word means living a living example of dedicated Christian love and service. A living example of dedicated Christian love and service. That's what a saint is. That's what you're called to. That's what you're called to. How many of you ever heard somebody say, well, they were a saint? I remember I was in Ireland with our missionary Jerome Pittman when the Pope died. And I hadn't heard the news in the little bed and breakfast where I was staying. The lady who ran it, a Roman Catholic lady, she pointed to the television and she said, did you see the Pope died? And I said, no, I hadn't seen that. And she said, ah, if anyone could go to heaven, it was him. And I said to her, well, you can go to heaven. And she said, oh, I could never go. I could never go. And I gave her the gospel. And she said, ah, but you don't know what I've done. I can't go. And she wouldn't trust Christ. She wouldn't trust Christ. She said, ah, but he... He's a saint. You see, that is a it's a it's a such a troubling view of the gospel. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter if they're Buddhist. It doesn't matter if they're Muslim. It doesn't matter if they're Baptist. It doesn't matter if they're Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if they're Catholic. It doesn't matter if they're Mormon or Jehovah's Witness or Kabbalah or whatever. It doesn't matter whosoever comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever their religious background or from no religious background, whosoever comes to Jesus Christ and says, Lord Jesus I believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived a sinless life. You died on the cross and rose from the dead. You, you paid for my sin, and I know I can't save myself, but I sure need to be saved. Will you save me? Anyone who believes in Christ can be saved. Anyone. Anyone. And that means anyone who can be saved is called to be a saint. What is a saint? A person that lives completely for Christ who gives themselves completely to Christ. How about you? How about you? Can you imagine if I came in and said, what's your name? My name is St. James. <laughs> Book in the Bible named after me. <laughs> kind of silly, right? It'd be kind of silly. But how many of you are trying, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to live a life wholly dedicated 
to Jesus Christ, to love Him and to serve Him. That's what you're called to do. That's what a saint is. You are called to that. So, you've been called to liberty. If anyone tries to hinder you from that liberty... Did you tithe this week? Don't answer. She did. <laughs> Help him. Work on this guy. If you didn't, you don't love Jesus. I'm just telling you. You, you can't come to this church anymore. Somebody's got to pay for this air conditioning. What is that? That's bondage. I'm so glad the offering already took place. <laughs> Why do we give? Because we love the Lord and we love His work. and Amen. He gives to us and we give back to Him. Amen? You're not going to go to heaven sooner if you give more. I'm sure I've told you this. The guy that found a way to get all of his gold to heaven and he's bringing it through the gates and Peter said to him, Hey, what would you bring all that pavement for? <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money you have. That's not going to get you to heaven. That's bondage. That's bondage. Amen? Who is hindering you? And what about this idea of a holy life? Young people, which of your friends are encouraging your holiness, your love for Christ? And which of your friends are trying to hinder your love and service for Jesus Christ? Who is hindering you? Who, uh, folks, who, is, who are you with? Who are the influencers that are keeping you from living a life wholly dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is hindering you? It's good. All right, so we're called to liberty and we're called to be saints. Look at Romans 8. Very famous verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All right, what is His purpose? What did He call us for? Look at the next verse. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So here's what we're called to do. We're called to be like Christ. We're called to look like Jesus. We're called to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. Now you might say, well, I got saved and I don't look any different. I don't look any different. Well, it's not talking about your physical makeup. It's talking about your behavior. It's talking about the way that you live. Are you like Jesus Christ. Now, many of you have ever seen What Would Jesus Do? Have you ever seen those What Would Jesus Do? I don't really like that because that's very subjective. Most of the people who say what Jesus would do, they don't have any idea what Jesus would have done. I would rather it be something like this. What did Jesus do when he was here on earth doing things? But that doesn't fit in a bracelet <laughs> real well. How did Jesus handle that situation? That's better, right? What we ought to do is study the life of Christ study the life of Christ through the writings of the Apostle Paul, tie it all together in the Scriptures and, and live like Christ. Live like Jesus. Patrick, if you don't live like Jesus, you can't come to this church anymore. If you don't live like Jesus, there's no way you're saved. What's that? Bondage. bondage. That's bondage. It's complete bondage. The only way 
Patrick can live like Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The only way that Patrick is going to be made like Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this? Patrick's a whole lot nicer than me. The only way that I am going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ is through the Holy Spirit of God. It doesn't matter how hard I try. It doesn't matter how many things I give up. It doesn't matter how much money I give. It doesn't matter what disciplines I employ. I can never become like Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. That's what we're called to, though. That's what we're called to. So how does that happen? We submit to His Word. We submit to the Holy Spirit of God. We submit our will and we conform our will to what God has called us to be through His Word. Amen. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. Now, how many of you understand the church at Corinth was a carnal church, a worldly church? Is that right? Very worldly. And yet, look at what he says. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them which are, look, what does it say? Sanctified, Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. With all that in where? Call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Both theirs and ours. Their Lord and our Lord. So what does that say again? Everybody that's called on the name of the Lord is a saint. This is what we're called to be. Is that right? But these are the carnal people. We're not like that church. I went to this church and the preacher preached in shorts. I don't do that because the rest of the guys here would be jealous. No, you'd all be blind. No! Now look, I, I really, honestly, I really don't think a preacher ought to stand up and preach in shorts. I, I just think that that's disrespectful. But because I don't do that... <laughs> These would be shorts on Wade, wouldn't they? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> because I don't do that, does that make me more righteous or more holy or more godly or more pure, more sanctified? No. What is that? Bondage. It's bondage. And yet, look what it says in verse 9. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So what else are we called to? We're called to, be, uh, we're called to liberty. We're called to be saints. We're called to fulfill His purpose, which is to be like Christ. But look at this. We're called to fellowship. We're called to fellowship. Imagine if after my wedding, we all, everybody goes to Oklahoma. I get married to Laura. After the wedding, I've kissed the bride. We sign the paperwork. I look at the preacher and I say, Now, preacher, are we married now? Is that right? We're married. Yeah, yeah. Okay, see ya. She says, Where are you going? I said, Well, I've just always wanted to be married. What do you do? I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to go do all the stuff I want to do now. How many of you think that that would have gone over well? 
No, no. Okies are mean. She would have chased me down. What is it? If you love someone, let them go. And if they don't return, hunt them down and kill them. That's the, that's the Oklahoma way. Um, when people come to Christ that way, I wonder if they've really come to Christ. Right? Would you, would you, would you all agree with that? Amen. That appetite. See, when you're saved, you're called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I call her five times a day. You know, that's fellowship. I want to talk with her. That's, that's what we're called to. We're called to fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I mentioned to you already that I didn't do real well with that this past week. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I'm sure that there's at least one other person in this room who didn't do real well with that. Again, it's not bondage. It's not bondage. But this is what you're called to. And here's the best part. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be with you. He didn't call you to be a subject. He didn't call you to be a slave. He didn't call you to do something for Him. Although He does want you to do some things for Him. He primarily called you to be with Him. When He called His disciples, that's what He did. He called them to be with Him. And that's called to fellowship. I wonder, I wonder, your friends, young ladies, your friends, folks, I wonder if your friends are helping you be with Christ or are hindering you from being with Christ. I wonder if, you, if your acquaintances, the people that you spend time with, your influencers, I wonder if they are encouraging you in your walk with the Lord or if they are discouraging you in your walk with the Lord. Who's, who has hindered you? That, that doesn't come from Christ. Would you all agree with that? That doesn't come. He calls you to fellowship. That's what he wants to do. Look with me at uh, Romans uh, no, we'll go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. There's another thing we're called to. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. What is the vocation that we've been called to? Christian. Amen? We've been called to be Christians. That's my life. Uh, I'm, my, my vocation is not pastor. My vocation is Christian. And so I am a Christian pastor. Um, Chad is a fireman. But that's not his vocation. His vocation is Christian. He's a Christian fireman. Dr. Ree is a doctor. But he's not a doctor. He's a Christian who is a doctor. Amen? Amen. This is very important. And so all of us... So here's Chad. Chad's a lieutenant with the Sydney Police or the Sydney Fire Department. He, he hasn't stepped up to the police department yet, but he's with the, the fire department. <laughs> Amen, Josh? Amen. <laughs> so he's lieutenant with the, with the fire department. Um, and he is found out drunk, fooling around. Uh, he, he took out the, uh, the big ladder truck and drove it through somebody's field, <laughs> parked it up on the church steps. How long would you be a fire lieutenant? Well, not long. Not long. No, this is government, so we're not sure. <laughs> he wouldn't be. They'd still pay him, but he wouldn't be that anymore. Um, wow. That's rough, isn't it? That's <laughs> that is tough. <laughs> what would that be? He would not be walking worthy of that vocation. Um, we have funeral directors in here, the, the Edwards boys. And... Same behavior. 
you know, they take the hearse and they're doing donuts out in the parking lot. <laughs> Hopefully there's nobody in the back. Amen. <laughs> they wouldn't care, you know, they're, they're past caring. Aaron, how long would you be a funeral director if you had done that? Not long. Not long. Eric? No. No. Why? Because they would not be walking worthy of that vocation. If I was unfaithful to my wife, if I behaved in certain ways in the, in the, in the community, I could not be pastor here. Why? Because I would not be walking worthy of my vocation, which is a pastor. All you school teachers, all you, there's certain behavior that's expected of you. And really, all of us who are here, whatever it is that we do, there are expectations for us. Is that right? Well, as a believer, there's an expectation. I walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's, that's how I live, and I'm called to do that. Uh, I can't respond the way that I want to. Uh, I, I can't think about myself all the time. There are behaviors that I cannot engage in. Now, let me say this. There are behaviors that aren't necessarily wrong that I can't behave in because I'm a Christian. I'm going to live a life that's different from the world. Why? So I can be saved? No. Why? Because that's what I've been called to. Because I love Jesus Christ, I have been called to do that. I love my wife. And so I try to rinse out the sink when I dump stuff in the sink. Why? Why? Because she's an obsessive compulsive no. Well, really, she is. But she's very neat, and she wants things to remain neat. And so because I love her, I try, and I'm not, okay? I'm not organized. I'm not neat. None of those things. So while I'm not as neat as her, I do try to do those things. Why? To please her. Why? Because I love her. Because I'm afraid of her? No. Because I love her. Because I have to do those things to be married? No. Because I love her. You see the difference? That's, the, that's what Christ has called us to. He's called us, according to this passage, to walk worthy of our vocation. Look at, second, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I wonder who is hindering you from walking worthy of that vocation. I wonder if your friends want you to be faithful to church or they don't want you to be faithful to church. I wonder if the people that you're associated with want you to serve the Lord or don't want you to serve the Lord. I wonder if the activities that you're engaging in help you to fulfill those things or hinder you from fulfilling those things. Who's, who's hindered you? All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. Now, here's how I'm supposed to live. I'm supposed to live as if I'm preparing to live somewhere else. I have to make sure that I walk in a way that is not so wrapped up in this world that I forget where my inheritance is. Amen. Amen. I am supposed to walk worthy of His kingdom. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's where we're supposed to live. It's interesting. Uh, I was at uh, the Tower of London, and we were going up this tower, and I was behind some uh, college girls from the United States. And they started swearing about America. 
They said, we don't have anything this old in America. Bleep in Columbus. And just ripping on America. And I said, hey, girls, wait a minute. You need to be glad about that. Because if you lived here when this was built, talking that way, they would have killed you right here. You're Americans. Don't talk about our country in another place like that. I don't want to hear it. Amen. And it was great because we're in this little tower and they couldn't go anywhere. It's awesome. <laughs> what were they doing? They were not walking worthy of the name American. But understand, and this is what I said to them. You need, get this. If it wasn't for us, this wouldn't be here. There'd be a swastika hanging over this thing. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. We need to walk worthy. We need to walk worthy of that. Now, here's the deal. Should I be more proud to be an American or a Christian? A Christian. A Christian. Because we have here no continuing city. What's our holy city? We don't have a holy city. Jews have Jerusalem. What's ours? It's going to come down from heaven. We have here no continuing city. So my, my citizenship is in heaven. I need to walk worthy of that. I need to live in this world as a citizen of heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, look with me at uh, 2 Thessalonians. Or no, 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. Look at verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So what has God called us to? Holiness. Who's trying to make you unclean? Who's trying to cause you to live in an unclean way? Now, how many of you remember high school? How many of you knew people in high school that were trying to get you to live in an unclean way? And so you could think, who was trying to hinder me at that point? I could look back on my life, and, and there are people that pop into my head that I know now. I, didn't know. I don't know that I recognized it so much then. But looking back now, I understand there were people trying to hinder me from living a clean and holy life. We need to get new friends. Amen? We need to keep our relationships with lost people so we can influence them for Christ. We're not, we're not monastics. We're not going to go live in a convent or a monastery somewhere. Amen? We're going to be in the culture, but we have to be careful how that culture influences us. So, who has hindered you from being clean and holy? It's a good question, isn't it? That's what we're called to. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9. First Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of what? Of him who hath called you out of darkness into his what? Marvelous light. All right, so here's the idea. I'm supposed to live a life of thanksgiving and praise to the one who called me out of darkness. Now, who here is saved? You say, I know for sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm saved. You're not in darkness. We're not going to take the time to go there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 makes that very clear. We are not in darkness. We are in light. He has called us out of darkness into light. How's your disposition? Is your spirit in darkness? When you look at your life, the life that God has given you, are you thankful? 
or are you in a dark place? See, we've been called out of the darkness of this world, out of the darkness of sin, out of the darkness of an eternity without Christ, into the marvelous light of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Why don't we live as if it's marvelous? Are you happy right now? I'd be happier if you would stop preaching. I'm hungry. (laughs) Besides that, are you happy? Are you peaceful? Are you content? Now, let me say this. I'm not cavalier with this. If I got cancer and all kinds of bad things were happening to me, there would be some moments of darkness. Would you all agree with that? That's the human condition. Praise God He loves us when we're in dark places. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Uh, When you're in a really bad situation, I don't expect you to be tap dancing and saying, isn't this great? No. But should a Christian, honestly, let me, seriously, should a Christian stay there? No. Well, pastor, how long can I stay there? I have no idea. But I know that you shouldn't stay there forever. Amen? Amen. Again, let's be careful. There are physical factors that weigh into some of these things, physical issues that weigh into the way that you feel and things that impact your emotions. Would you all agree with that? That's not what most of our problems are. God's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light and to live a life that brings praise to the one who did that. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for where you are right now? Look with me at uh, 2 Peter. <clears throat> Who's hindering you from that? 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We're to live a glorious and a virtuous life. What in the world does that mean? Seriously? Honestly? Here's what it means. We ought to be better than the people around us. Now, we don't like to... Here's the idea. It's not that I say... I'm so glad I'm not like this lowly publican. Is that what God's wanting us to do? No. No. But there really ought to be a difference between the way a believer lives in the world and the way the world lives in the world. We live in a religious community. How many of you know there are a lot of really good people? Now, we understand there's none that doeth good, no, not one. But from a human perspective, there are a lot of good people in our community. Would you all agree with that? And I'm thankful for those that stand up. You know, I'm thankful when I drive by Layman and I see that sign about the, the baby being, being a human life. I'm thankful for that. That's a good position to take. All those people going to Michigan who don't believe that. It's, anyway, um, not everybody in Michigan believes. Joby, I understand. Michigan people, that's right. Now, listen, there are good people, but honestly... Shouldn't our lives, shouldn't there be things in our lives that are different from people who take right positions who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? 
shouldn't there be something more exemplary, more virtuous, more glorious? Let's stop lowering our standards to those around us. The Bible says, and some are of the, of the number, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. If our model is Jesus Christ, and we understand that God has called us, the purpose that He called us is to be conformed into the image of His Son. If I understand that, then that's my model. If I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through submission to the Word of God, through prayer, and then through that indwelling Holy Spirit of God sanctifying me, my life ought to be better than religious people who do not know Christ. We've been called to virtue. How are we going to do that? Add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance. And it goes through that whole list. It tells us how to do that. It's a process, but we can't do that in the flesh. If we, if we say that you have to do it in order to know God, that's bondage. But in order, because we're saved, to fulfill the purpose for which we were called, we submit to Him and we begin being obedient to what God has called us to do. Our lives are raised to be more holy. And then you know what happens? When you give people the gospel, your life is matching the message. What happens? You're walking worthy of your vocation. That's what He's called us to. Now, let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians. Again, verse 7. Ye did run well. That's a sad verse, isn't it? Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. I think we can now, as we dive into this text over the next few weeks and try to understand it better, I think we have a better understanding of what we've been called to do and who is trying to hinder us. How many of you immediately know this person has been hindering me? Or... uh, this news source, this television show, these friends, this activity, these things, the Holy Spirit has brought them to my remembrance, brought them to me, things that are keeping me from what Christ has called me to. How many of you immediately know something? You think of something. Would you raise your hand? Anyone here say that? Amen. Me too. Let's all stand. Dear Heavenly Father.